Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I am so stoked that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. My friend, there is a seat here for you at the table, and I so hope that you choose to be a part of this community. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I'm your host Paige and I am so, so glad that you are here. Today's episode is so much fun, you guys. It is with Gabby Dobbs, who is a beekeeper. She is the coolest and our conversation was so much fun. I have to tell you, I was a little distracted because for whatever reason, I decided it would be a good idea to record this interview while I was home alone with both girls and John was taking a test for his master's program. Yeah, I have no idea. Usually he is watching Flora and Juliet is sleeping, so it's a little bit crazy, but I still think that our conversation was so much fun. The girls just make a special appearance at the end of the episode. (laughs) So on this show, Gabby and I talk about beekeeping as well as the importance of trying new things and how awesome it can be and how important it is actually to not monetize every single hobby that we have and to just be able to enjoy it. So I know you guys are going to love it. I can't wait to hear what you think. As always, if you feel inclined, please leave a rating and actually write a review for the show on whatever podcast app you are listening on because that is so helpful for other people to find our show. Also, if you aren't following us on Instagram, please be sure to do so. We are at Love in a Cottage Podcast and that is where we share updates most often. We recently launched something called Pods, which is a super cool way for you to get connected like in real life with other like-minded women who also listen to the show and who are in the same season of life. So basically, we will be launching small group chats of six to eight people. You can fill out a form that is in our Instagram bio and that will connect you to other like-minded women. I'll be organizing those groups over the next week and enrollment for those groups will close on November 14th. We'll open that up again sometime next year um, for those of you who maybe discover the podcast later on, but Instagram is the place where all those updates are happening. So I think those are all of the announcements and let's get on into my conversation with Gabby. Gabby, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here today. I'm so excited to be here. You have no idea. I'm a very avid listener to this podcast. That is so fun. It still blows my mind that like I only started this a few months ago and people other than like just my mom listen. (laughs) My husband does not listen, I don't think, but people outside of my like most inner circle have found this, which is so so fun um we actually got connected on instagram was it through the podcast i'm trying to remember i I think it was your personal account i feel like we follow a lot of the same people yes i think you popped up on like my people you need to follow and i was like i think i need to follow her oh (laughs) i love that it's it's so funny how instagram is like 
so good and that it can connect us to people who otherwise we wouldn't find. But it's interesting how it's like this web where, yeah, we, I feel like follow a lot of the same people. And then it turns into like, how did I end up finding this person? Yeah. (laughs) But I love it. Could you just give us a little intro about who you are, where you live, your family, and yeah, a bit about you. Yeah, so I'm Gabby Dobbs, and I live on the central coast of California with my husband and our 18-month-old daughter, Isla. We also have a golden retriever who was trained to be a service dog, actually, but she flunked because she was so anxious. Oh, no. So now we have our sweet, anxious golden retriever, Aspen. We live on an animal sanctuary, which is really cool, with my in-laws. What the heck? I did not know this. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite, I mean, I feel like from my Instagram, you could kind of probably tell that we live on some rural property. But yeah, my father-in-law fell in love with this property and ended up buying it from the guy completely under the radar. It wasn't even listed or anything. He just mentioned it to him. And the guy was like, sure, if you're passionate about it, that's who I want to give it to. So, Oh my gosh, that's incredible. How long have you guys lived there for? We've lived here since I bought the property. So like three years. Okay. Wow. And is do you know how many acres it is? It's five acres. Okay. Wow. I, that concept of like acre amounts, I probably said that wrong, is so hard for me, but we want to have land someday. So I always like kind of picking people's brains on how much land they have, because I don't know, man, some people live on like a hundred or more acres and that sounds like so much to keep up with. Yeah. Five acres is a lot and we have a lot of animals on the property, so it makes it feel a little bit smaller but mm-hmm. it's you have to share. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have to share our space, but that is so cool. So today we are going to be talking a little bit about beekeeping. Oh my gosh, that is just so cool. That is so cool that you do that. You're passionate about it. And I know people are going to be so interested in learning more. I know a lot of listeners are very interested in like homesteading someday and having land and just, yeah, living out like in nature more um but we're also going to be talking a little bit about like feelings of inadequacy and just this need to like monetize our lives um I know that's something you're passionate about and it's something that I think I know I need to be reminded of and our listeners would really benefit from so first up I would love to hear about your journey with beekeeping like where did this even start how did you get into this? What has that process been like for you? So we started officially beekeeping about two years ago. My husband has always found interest in it, and we've known a few people here and there that have bee-kept, bee-kept, I think. <laughs> um, we just found a local uh, bee breeder. Sounds very interesting. Oh my goodness, yes. So, So he breeds big colonies of bees and sells them. So we bought a couple hives two years ago and started the process. Wow. That sounds so simple, but I have so many questions. I know. First of all, I'm like, do you, were you scared of bees? Were you scared of like being stung? Was that a fear for you that you had to overcome or 
Were you like, I'm tough. I can do this. It's going to be okay. So my husband actually, as a child, was very afraid of bees. So I think that kind of stemmed for him the interest in them to learn about who they actually are. Mm. And they're such intricate little creatures. So once you learn more about what they do and their jobs and they dance to tell each other where to go and they make certain vibrations. And when you're in the hive, you can actually hear the different sounds that they make to tell each other, like, here's the queen and they're protecting her. So it's very interesting. And he started learning more about them and he wanted to raise them, which I think is really cool to go from being fearful of something to wanting to get closer to it. So when he told me he wanted to do it, I was like, cool, let's, let's do it. I have never been stung, to my knowledge, by a bee. And as much as I love the idea of beekeeping someday on our land, and I love honey, and I love beeswax candles, which I know is only one part of the equation, but I am terrified. Like, do the suits actually do their job <laughs> to keep the bees from stinging you? They definitely do. I have never been afraid of bees. Um, And it's funny now. A bee lands on someone that I know. They're like, Gabby, help. I'm like, it's okay. (laughs) You're going to be fine. They'll fly away. They're not going to bother you. They don't want to hurt you. They only hurt when they feel, um, what's the word? When they feel intimidated. Yeah, I've never gotten stung. Never. Uh, I have not yet. But my husband has gotten stung many, many times. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that's cool how he's like overcome his fear. And now he loves, he loves bees. So I would love to hear just like, what is your, again, this is so foreign to me. What is your current setup? I know you said that you bought some hives. So like, how big is that? What exactly does that mean? Etc. <laughs> They're in a box, which we use the Langstroth hives. And It's just a certain type of hive that works well for our particular area. So we have, currently we have five hives. Three of the hives were hives that we bought from the bee breeder locally. And two hives were actually wild hives. So my husband and his dad will actually go out and rescue hives from, they get in storm drains and... They'll be in the sidewalk or in people's sheds or houses. So they'll actually go and get them. And it sounds a lot more intimidating than it is, but you go in there, you find the hive, you make sure there's a queen. If there's not a queen, they're probably not going to last that much longer because they're just looking for a place to live. And they make sure all the bees are there, get a box ready, and they want to find an environment to live in. So they actually gravitate towards the box and will go in there and start producing, making sure the queen's settled and she'll start laying eggs. I have, I feel like I just have so many questions. (laughs) The queen, how does she become the queen? Where does the queen come from? So she actually is just a bee, a regular bee, but they make a special queen cell for her where she she becomes hatched and then she the queen is a little bit still of a mystery to me to be honest because yeah. a lot of the hives that we get they already have queens so we don't really worry about that and you can actually buy queens from people who breed bees so 
she is just the chosen one. She's the, the head of the hive and she gets the special treatment. They feed her extra honey so that she can lay the larva, the larva hatch. And in our boxes, there's actually a base box and then there's boxes on top of the base box. So the bottom box is called the brooding box, which is where she lays the eggs and the bees repopulate. And then the two on top of it, right now we have two on top of one. Um, those are called supers and that's where the honey production actually happens. And that's where you can harvest from because you don't want to harvest from the bottom box because there's larvae in there. Okay. Yeah. So that was one of my questions for sure. It's just like, what is the process like to harvest honey? So it sounds like you guys have these boxes set up to make it easier on your part, but I still am so unsure. Like I know honeycombs exist. Do you like I'm picturing like breaking it off and then <laughs> scraping honey out. So it's in the supers, in the top boxes, they're frames. So every frame is a horizontal plank of wood that has this kind of silicone um, mold in there that they build their honeycomb off of. They're very smart. They know the exact shape that they need to be. And if you look in there, you can see where they start and where they finish. Wow. So, the top boxes, you get the frames out and you want to separate them from the hive because the bees will gravitate towards that. And we have harvested twice now. So I don't feel like an expert, but we have learned a lot through trial and error. We take the hives out, separate them from the box. And if we want to harvest some honeycomb, we actually put it in the fridge to help solidify it. And take this pronged tool and you kind of just scrape it off and it is so satisfying <laughs> to watch the honey come out of the cells and it drips down it's the most beautiful thing ever and <laughs> it's so good <laughs> oh my gosh that sounds incredible john said that in germany when he went like on choir tour in college um he like ate honeycomb or had honey off of the comb or however you would say that and he was like yeah it was just such a delicacy like one of the most delicious things he's ever had and ever since then he's been romanticizing about having bees someday <laughs> so it sounds like beekeeping or maybe not the act of beekeeping but honey harvest is seasonal is that right because you've had them for two years you said you've harvested twice what like how do the seasons I guess affect production and the bees themselves so where we are in California, it's very dry right now. I actually researched and found that it's been the driest year since 1924. So our bees have been struggling quite a bit. And when they struggle, you can do a couple things by feeding them sugar water. So we've been doing that and they're still holding on. So that's good. So when you want to harvest... You want to harvest at the peak of the year. So we usually harvest late July, which to some can seem a bit late in the season because we kind of have an Indian summer, so it stays a little bit warmer later on in the year. So we harvest around July, and the you want to take the honey from the hive when they're in peak production because if you take it too early, they actually can leave the box completely because their food is honey in the hive when there is an emergency. Okay. So they eat the honey during the winter months. So you don't want to harvest during the winter. 
If you lived in a warmer climate, you probably could. If you had, if you lived in Hawaii, I'm sure you could harvest all year round because the weather's perfect. But if you live in a pretty seasonal place, you're going to want to harvest in the summer, which is what we've been doing. Okay. I feel so ridiculous, like asking all these questions, but what do bees eat? So it sounds like they eat honey in the winter months. Is that only in emergencies though? Yeah, so they don't typically want to eat their honey. I mean, they're building it up to store for the winter. Okay. So they go out and they collect pollen and nectar from flowers. That's their main job. Of course. I, like, forgot that. (laughs) Yeah, that's the important part. (laughs) Um, So to sustain the hive during the winter, they build up a storage of honey. So if you're living in a pretty seasonal place... They're storing it up for the winter, and if you live in a very beautiful temperate place, they're just storing up honey all on the entire hive, and so you would get more of a production. So you've explained the process of harvesting honey and, I guess, how bees make honey, but what is the process like to make beeswax, or how do you guys harvest that? Because I love I love me some beeswax candles. <laughs> so beeswax is... A different process than honey. It goes along with harvesting honey, but it's a little bit different. So you actually take the wax from the honey while you're harvesting the honey. And to do that, you kind of put it in a cheesecloth. And so you have all this wax that's really raw and you have to render the wax. So it's kind of a lengthy process to get pure beeswax that you can buy on, say, Amazon. And you have to continually heat it and strain it through the cheesecloth. So we've done this quite a few times because you get a lot of wax from the hive. And we've actually had people donate wax to us because they'll have hives that leave and then all that's left is the wax and they don't really know what to do with it. So beeswax is kind of where I started my passion with beekeeping because when we first started, my husband was going to just primarily be a beekeeper and he was going to go in the hive, make sure the bees were producing, and I was going to take the reins on beeswax and render it and make certain things out of it. So I've made a couple things out of it so far, but with the toddler, it's not always the easiest process. (laughs) I don't blame you. (laughs) I tried making my own beeswax candles once, like tapers, in our old apartment, and I think I ruined like two pots that we had because I did not clean it or know how and yeah yeah, that was a whole experience. (laughs) Once it's in solid form, it is gunk. You cannot get it off of anything it just sticks on there and the only way you can really get it off is I've used lemon essential oil but you can reheat it and once it becomes liquid just wipe it away but it once it gets stuck on there it is stuck so stuck yeah even like candle holders that I've had I've been like I don't know what to do with (laughs) the running wax I guess I guess you just embrace it and that becomes part of the the look at that point yeah so it sounds like you guys have a really cool partnership in like your different roles. What would you say your roles are between you and your husband when it comes to beekeeping? Do you guys do a lot of the same things together or do you kind of have like your specific tasks that you each like to handle? So a lot of the daily maintenance 
in the hives, he does. And you actually don't want to go into it too, too often because they seal up the corners with propolis, which is this really sticky tar-like material to ensure that nothing comes in that they don't want. So you don't want to go in there too, too often because when you go in, you actually have to break the propolis seal and it can cause the bees to do a lot more work than they need to to continue sealing up that spot. So he goes in there about once a week, sometimes a little bit longer if the weather hasn't been great. Beekeeping is really dependent on the weather. So if you're having a lot of rain or a lot of cloudy days, they're not going to be going out and getting pollen and collecting nectar from flowers. They're mostly going to be in the hive, keeping warm together. So he goes in there about once a week. And I wish I could go in there about once a week, but one of us has to stay with our toddler. So that's yeah. <laughs> But when we harvest, it is definitely a partnership. We both take full responsibility on harvesting the honey and rendering the wax and separating the raw honey from the wax. It's so fascinating to me that you said that bees actually want a place to live because that was another thing that I had thought about. Like, obviously, if they're going out and they're collecting nectar and pollen like I would think how do you get them to come back but it sounds like that's not something that they have to be obviously trained in how to train a bee that would not, yeah. that would not be easy <laughs> so they just automatically know like do you ever find yourself losing bees or is that just that just does not happen it does happen sometimes when they feel that the hive that they're in isn't adequate enough for them they'll just leave um that's happened a couple times now and it's always a big bummer because you can't get them back so you're just kind of at a loss and you have this empty hive and it's really sad <laughs> yeah it's not it's not like you can put up a sign that says like missing bees or anything. yeah <laughs> So is it realistic for someone to become a hobby beekeeper? Because I'm listening, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, to, I, I definitely relate to your husband's position, like I said earlier about starting out, being afraid, well, I'm still starting out, I'm still afraid of, <laughs> of bees, but I think it would be so fascinating to learn and even to teach our children someday about all of the mysteries and the complexities of bees and what it's like to care for them, but yeah, realistically, what what is a time investment? What is like the space that is required? And is it realistic to be a hobbyist beekeeper and not have to monetize it? For different regions, there are different laws and regulations that you have to follow. So in California, since it's so large, the different counties have different rules that you have to follow to be a beekeeper. And because we have so few hives and we live on such a big piece of property, it hasn't been a problem for us. But if you were starting out in, say, a smaller backyard, your neighbors could call and complain that bees were coming in their yard. So you always have to be kind of mindful of your surroundings. And I've had a couple people reach out to me and ask, like, how do I get started? And the best way, in my opinion, to get started is to make sure that you're connected with a local beekeepers club and they're everywhere. And we actually had a beekeeping mentor, which was so cool. And she really helped us with the process and troubleshooting, trying to just figure out 
how they're going to have enough food in the area that they're around and have a water source. So she really helped us figure out on a particular property where they would best be. And she is amazing. She's one of my favorite people in the entire world. But she's so knowledgeable and she has actually gone and rescued a couple hives with my husband. So that's been fun too. I would say a big part of it that not a lot of people realize is you don't want to interfere with the hive as much as you probably want to. You kind of want to leave it alone because they know naturally what to do and they're building up their storage for the winter. So they're just going about their business. They're just doing what nature has called them to do. And a lot of people think that it's going to be really time consuming. And I would say the most time consuming part of it all is harvesting and rendering your wax. And is that usually like a multi-day process when you're harvesting and rendering? Or is it something that you and your husband can like commit and just kind of do together in the afternoon? The last time that we harvested, it took us about a day. And we didn't harvest the full sweeper box. We harvested about five or six frames, which was roughly around 30 jars of honey. And we actually had such an influx of people wanting it that we didn't have enough. So we were going to go back in and harvest again, but we went on a vacation and then we came back and we decided that it was probably too late in the season to do another mini harvest. But you just want to make sure that you're harvesting at a good time for your bees, because if you take away their resources too quickly, they will, they will go. That's so fascinating to me to think about how in one day, obviously you're not harvesting all of the honey ever because like you said, they're like going to save that for winter. But just honestly, it's like inspiring to me to work at something for so long and then reap the benefits like on that one day and and to be like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at, but that's just very <laughs> inspiring. <laughs> the work ethic of bees and their contentment and focus. If you're anything like me, you spent most of 2020 and maybe even 2021 wearing your coziest clothes. But at some point, I realized that my cozy clothes included my high school t-shirt with lots of holes and stains and decided it was time for an upgrade. I recently discovered Noble, an ethical clothing brand specializing in waffle jammies for both women and children. Their waffles are seriously the softest I've ever owned because they're made with 100% GOT certified organic cotton. Not to mention the fact that they come in the most beautiful colors like oat milk, mustard, and lavender. Noble recently sent me and my girls the cutest matching waffles in their new color moss, and I am obsessed, you guys. I guarantee we are going to be wearing these all winter long, both inside and outside of our home. You can get your own pair of waffle jammies for 10% off when you use the code PAGEGUIDAL10 at checkout. Visit shopnoble.com and use the code PAGEGUIDAL10 at checkout to get 10% off your order. So something else that is so inspiring to me is the fact that we've chatted a little bit about the fact that this is totally a hobby for you guys. This isn't something that um, at this point you are monetizing. You're not like trying to build this like beekeeping empire. And I would just love to hear your heart a little bit on what this experience has been like for you 
um, why you guys have decided to keep it a hobby. And even if you feel like it's been more rewarding because you're not trying to monetize it. So I think a lot of the times when you have a hobby or a passion, you're wanting to monetize it. Just in social media, our day and age, you kind of gravitate towards that mindset. And for us, we never went into it thinking this is going to be a business for us. It's strictly just a hobby, something that we can do together and work towards to see the benefits in the end. And you can feel so inclined to want to make it a business because so many people want it. People love raw honey. I love raw honey. And seeing the demand for it can kind of pull you in the direction of wanting to sell it. But we've both kind of agreed at this point in our lives, we just want it to be a gift to people. We want people to enjoy the honey and reap all the benefits of just the pureness of the honey. It's really good for allergies and it's antimicrobial and it never goes bad and you can use it in so many different things for so many different ways on your skin and your food. And for us, we just want it to be a blessing to people for right now. (laughs) Eventually, maybe one day we possibly might make it into something a little bit bigger, but for now, it's just something fun for us to do. And I can't imagine how satisfying it is in a totally different way. Like, obviously, there's so much beauty and satisfaction in creating a business of some sort, but to know that like you are stewarding the gifts that God has given your family to know that you are like taking care of these bees and providing in a sense, like an environment for them to live in and to eat that honey, like to taste that honey must just be so satisfying knowing that you were able to play a part in that. Yeah. That's incredible. Bees are very important to our environment. And there have been a lot of outside factors pushing a lot of bee colonies to endangerment and even extinction. So to play a part in the role of our environment and providing for the bees and even the natural landscape, there are so many benefits to having the bees beyond making a profit off of them. That's incredible. I know you said, sorry, I'm kind of bouncing around, but you said something about raw honey. And I know that we buy raw honey at the store, but is there a difference between honey that's raw or not raw? There's raw honey and then there's other honey. And the raw honey is from bees in hives going out and finding nectar from flowers. And then there's other hives that are being fed. So they're in the hive and they're being fed their food and they don't have to go out and get it. So it's not quite the same process. They're not going out to the flowers and getting the little pollen um, spots on their legs and bringing that back into the hive and giving you all these different factors from the environment that they're getting their food from. So to tell the difference is actually kind of interesting. You can take a cup of water And you can drizzle honey in there. 
And if your honey is raw honey, it's going to settle in there. But if it's not, it'll actually kind of dissolve. So if you do that, you can usually tell. And a lot of honey that you buy from the store is not raw honey. You want to find a local beekeeper to your area, which you can find at farmer's markets. And some grocery stores even sell honey as well from local beekeepers. And I am guessing that when you're consuming raw local honey, the health benefits are vastly different. Yeah, you touched a little bit on that. What are what are some of the biggest like misconceptions or things that you just want people to know about honey itself? Honey is very powerful to our immune systems. It can build up defenses against allergies and different environmental factors that you may have. We live in a very um, agricultural agricultural influenced area. And a lot of the times we can see them spraying pesticides in the fields. It's just a part of it. And where we are on our property, we don't have any pesticides. So we know that our bees are going out to the different foods that we have out which is all the different types of flowers that we have. And we know that they're getting their pollen from from flowers that aren't sprayed with pesticides. So that alone can be a really big factor in how the honey is going to benefit you health-wise. So for me, I've suffered from allergies pretty much all year round because our weather kind of stays the same and it's really dry where we live. So taking just a tiny spoonful of honey every day has really improved my allergies and you can put it on burns and cuts and it can actually help heal the area. You can, there's so many different things you can do with it. You can put it in a hair mask, you can put it in a face mask, you can, you can pretty much do anything with it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to save that tuck it away for a rainy day, like when Flora has little owies, you know, just just rub a little honey on it. Yeah. That is so brilliant. Yeah. And beeswax too. Beeswax is great for a lot of different things as well. It can be a natural adhesive and we've made beeswax food wraps, which are really great ways to kind of eliminate like saran wrap and tinfoil. And you don't want to get it too hot because it will melt off, but it has cut back on a lot of our single-use plastics. And that's been really cool. And I've been able to make some for friends and family. And for Christmas last year, I did a bunch of them and just gave them out to all my friends. And it was really cool to see that I am helping to reduce their single-use plastics. And, and it was something that I was a big part of because I got to render the wax and see the bees making it. And it's just such a cool process. So what are some of your dreams like moving forward for your family in relation to to beekeeping? Do you guys hope to get more hives? We have five currently and two of them we don't even touch because they are wild hives. So they're just in the box doing their own thing. And they could make it and they could not make it, but we're just kind of giving them a home to be in right now. And our other three hives are ones that are producing. And 
right now is kind of tricky because last year around this time, we actually lost two of our hives. So we're kind of holding our breath and seeing how this winter is going to go. If it's really rainy and the weather is gloomy, I'm looking outside right now and there's a huge rain cloud, but <laughs> we they'll probably stick around. But if it is still dry and there's not a lot of resources for them, they might go like our last hives, which would be really sad. And in that case, we would have to just, I mean, not saying just have to, but we would buy more hives. And I would like to add maybe a couple more because it is so fun to see them all in the space that they're at. And they actually don't intermix, which sounds kind of strange, but they keep to their own colony in their own hive. So we have them pretty close together, which I think pretty that's pretty standard is to have them kind of close together. But they know that this particular hive is their home and they know that because they have special pheromones that they produce that tell other bees like I'm I'm with you I'm a part of your colony wow yeah it's pretty cool (laughs) so I I would hope to add some more hives to our mix depending on how the year goes with the winter but because my husband was fearful of them as a kid it is cool to have our daughter around it because we can show her the importance of having the bees and what they do and that they're not there to hurt her, that they're pretty much going about their business and doing their jobs to sustain their own little families. So that's cool to have her be around. And it's cool because, like I mentioned earlier, we live on an animal sanctuary. So we actually have tours coming around um, pretty pretty frequently and my father-in-law gives the tours and he's able to educate people on bees more because a lot of people will come up to the fence and there's a little sign saying like there's bees here to make sure that people know in case they're allergic but we can educate them on they're doing their business they're not going to bother us they're on a pretty um, corner spot of the property but It just gives us the opportunity to help educate people. And when I tell people that we keep bees, they have so many questions, which I love to answer and educate them on all the very intricate parts of what they do and who they are as these little tiny insects. And it's it's just so so fun and rewarding to give people a little bit more knowledge and insight into what they do and who they are. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is so cool. Again, I just can't get over the fact that you live on an animal sanctuary and I love that. That's your father-in-law's passion and that beekeeping really does tie into that. That's so cool how it's a family affair with that. I would love to hear just a little bit about like what the Lord has taught you on this journey of beekeeping I know obviously like scripture references honeycomb and I can't think of the particular passage off the top of my head but just what are some of the lessons that Jesus has been teaching you um as you guys have have been on this journey of beekeeping over the last couple years so I would say one of the main things is patience (laughs) because you aren't 
interfering with what they're doing a lot of the times. It can feel really nerve-wracking when there seems to be a problem popping up and you're not sure where it came from and you're trying to fix it. It's just leaning into the idea that God created these creatures for this purpose and he will sustain them. And we can do certain things to kind of help them along, but ultimately it is his, it's his creation and he has created them so divinely. I'm always blown away with the more that I learn about bees. I, the, the more that I am able to see who our creator is. And it's so beautiful because these tiny little insects, they have so many different qualities and they, the things that they do to communicate with each other and to sustain their colony are just, they're really a good model for us to look at to see how we can serve others in a way that Christ would. So patience has been a big part of it. And the scripture that I always reference when people talk about beekeeping is that, um, I I wrote it down, <laughs> it's, um, it's Proverbs 24, 13. It's eat honey, my son, for it is good. Honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is like honey for you. If you find it, there is future hope for you and your hope will not be cut off. I just... I think that's so powerful because when we eat honey, we can just think of it as this simple action. And in scripture, he's talking about how important it is to eat honey because it's good. And that when we seek wisdom, that's also good. And that there is future hope for us and that our hope will not be cut off because we know who our creator is. So I just think that's such a cool picture into beekeeping and just the way that God has created these creatures for us to observe and to have the benefits of what they're doing. So since you started beekeeping two years ago, you guys, it sounds like, are obviously seeking wisdom from mentors and learning tons of information, but this is still a hobby for you. And I know that you've shared with me a little bit just about how it can be almost like intimidating as you're learning something new and kind of entering this space where maybe people have been doing this for a long time or it's their full-time job. And I think so many women can relate to that. Maybe even like hesitancy if they're wanting to try something new, whether they are wanting to monetize it or not. Just like, yeah, trying something new can feel scary especially when we're like older and not like children anymore I don't know it can feel like not as natural or like other people know so much more than us so how have you kind of navigated learning something new taking on a new hobby and kind of dealt with some of those feelings of uncertainty so I have really had to challenge myself in this aspect because I'm a perfectionist. So I like to do things 110% the first time. So it can be really frustrating when you're starting something new and, and you're still learning and things aren't going quite the way that you plan them to. And a lot of the times you can doubt yourself because you aren't as qualified as other people. So I've 
listen to podcasts with people who are biologists and people who do beekeeping full-time. And I get intimidated because that's that's not where I'm at. And it's just a hobby. And I know that in our day and age, there are a lot of people who are very knowledgeable on a lot of things. And we... It can be overwhelming, right? Like, yes. Totally. <laughs> and, and it's... For me, it's been really important to lean in and embrace that I am new at this. I don't know everything and I don't have all the answers. And maybe something I say isn't the right way to do it. And maybe there's a better way, which maybe I'll come to learn in a little bit. But just going through the trial and error process and kind of taking away that veil of, oh, I know what I'm doing and I'm qualified for this and just being content in the process and learning that has been a really big lesson that I've learned through it all and I want to encourage other people to just step out in faith and do what whatever you want to do if you want to learn how to make sourdough bread go for it if you want to beekeep go for it if you want to learn a new language just go for it I think that's beautiful. And I think it can even feel intimidating to to share that you're starting something new or share what you're learning as you go. Like I will be honest, I casually shared the other day on Instagram, like I was so proud because I was baby wearing Juliet. I like finally have figured out the Solly wrap and I got multiple messages for well-meaning, super kind of people, some of who I like even consider friends who were like, hey, actually, like she's not exactly in the right position. And it was so defeating because I like was aware that she had slipped down a little bit. And like, I don't know, I've been watching lots of tutorials and I know I haven't gotten it figured out. And again, I know those messages are like so well-meaning and care about the safety of my child, but it can feel intimidating when you're like trying to share what you're learning as you go. And then you get some of that feedback, like that you're not doing it right. Um, So I just love that you are like self-aware in wanting to, to challenge yourself and be like, no, I, I may not know everything right now, but you know, whether you're sharing publicly or not, like you have just a really beautiful mindset that like, you're going to figure it out along the way. And that's just part of the process. And I think loving the process and embracing that process is challenging, but so good. And so cool. Yes, totally. Okay, girly, we are going to wrap things up. I feel like I could literally ask you 10,000 more questions about bees and I'm probably going to after this on, on Instagram, but I just want to thank you for coming on and sharing all about beekeeping. I know you're a listener, so I know you know what I'm about to ask you, but what are three things that you have been loving lately? Three things that I have been loving lately. Ooh, okay. This is surprisingly like the hardest question for a lot of people. Which is yeah, so I could funny. totally see why. <laughs> um, I have been writing out the Psalms. Um, just handwriting them down in a notebook. Uh, in our church, we actually just finished writing all of Romans. We were gifted a notebook and 
got to scribe down all of Romans, which was such a fun process because you really get to connect with the scripture. A lot of the times I feel like I open my Bible and I'm reading and it just doesn't quite stick when you're not in the wonderful mindset of being eager to learn. <laughs> so it is, it's really helped a lot to write down um, scripture and I know Psalms is a really, really long book in the Bible, but I just felt like that was where I kind of needed to go next. So I've been writing out all the Psalms and that has been really, really awesome. That's a brilliant idea because I am, I know it's a practice and I'm learning to like discipline myself and I'm always so glad that I did, but honestly, just to literally read the Bible, like to just get in the word of God every day. And I feel like I'm a very kinetic learner. And so to write like the Bible out, I just feel like that is so good. I'm very well might regret this, but I'm calling an audible. (laughs) Yes, we have (laughs) everyone here. (laughs) Um, I walk in, she had thrown her very special (sighs) toy. She threw Giraffe out of her crib and I walk in and she immediately stops crying and goes, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we talked about, you said your first thing. What are the next next two things that you've been loving? So uh, another area that I feel like I was really struggling in for a really long time was cooking dinners because I do not like to cook. I relate. Yes. My is such a good cook, but he works a traditional nine-to-five job and I'm a stay-at-home mom so I kind of took on the role of being the dinner maker and I have started meal planning which has really helped to organize that part of my life and it feels a lot less daunting when you are organized in what you're doing instead of just throwing something together last minute and it's actually helped budget our groceries a bit better so that's been nice and I can tell when a week happens and I'm not meal planning that we might eat cereal for dinner. <laughs> so it's it's a whole part of being very strategic about planning out meals and having them ready to go so you're not stressing out about it at the last minute. Totally. What do you use for meal planning? Do you just like look up recipes that you have and write them down does it like dictate kind of how you grocery shop or what does that look like for you so I use a weekly calendar and I actually write out with like an expo marker what we're going to be having for dinner for the week and I usually do like three to four meals not filling up the whole week because that can feel really intimidating and kind of limit when you maybe don't want to cook and just want to go eat out somewhere but I figure it out at the beginning of the week, plan out what we're going to make, and then go grocery shopping from there. So it's kind of a streamlined process, which helps me. I I mentioned before I'm a perfectionist, so I really like to have everything in order to feel... (laughs) He's so cute. I can handle it. (laughs) I... Yeah, it, it helps a lot for me personally. and not feeling that daunting emotion before dinner rolls around and you're scrambling trying to figure out what to eat. Yes. And you're like already hungry as you're like trying to figure it out. It's like after (laughs) five and you're like, what are we going to eat? 
Yeah, and oh everyone in your household is gets very hangry when they're uh, <laughs> when they're hungry. So <laughs> to make oh, sure yes. everyone is safe and fed. <laughs> yes, I relate to that so much. And then, okay, what's the third thing you've been loving? So I recently got back into reading for fun. I just finished school, so I entered this new chapter where I'm free to read whatever I want. And so I've been reading a lot of fiction and enjoying that. And yeah, this summer I I read more than I have in probably the last four or five years of my life. So it's been really fun. And I realized the importance of reading and just having that outlet for myself. What has been like one of your favorite books? Because I, my husband and I talk all the time about how much we loved reading as kids and how even just our attention span now is like sadly so short, I feel like with technology and how we just really, once we move, maybe that's us like kind of procrastinating, but once we move, we would love to like get back in the habit of reading in the evenings. Yeah. So I use thriftbooks.com, which has really helped to get books that aren't full price. So you kind of cut down on the expense and I mean to go to the library a lot, but I just don't make it there. So sometimes it's just easier to order it online, but I should probably use our local library a bit more because they can order books for you from anywhere. But I just, I read It Ends With Us by Colleen Hoover and I am rereading it because it was so good. Um, a couple other ones that I really enjoyed was uh, Malibu Rising. I, I don't remember the author, but I think her first name is Taylor. Taylor, I want to say it's like Jenkins or something. I could totally be butchering that, but <laughs> she writes a couple other books. Um, Daisy Jones and the Six is a great one. Um, the Seven, Husbands of uh, Evelyn Hugo, Elizabeth Hugo. Oh, gosh. And um, I just read... Um, Beach Read and The People That We Meet on Vacation, those are both by the same author as well. And those were both really good. They're all like feel good. Well, It Ends With Us isn't very feel good, but um, they're all pretty like feel good, nice, easy reads, which is what I kind of need before bed. Yeah. You're not trying to get into like an intense no thriller or yeah. drama. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a nice way to unwind. I I have been so bad with being on my phone in bed since I've been breastfeeding and just like kind of having it around because I like to check the time. <laughs> what do you think about that, Flora? <laughs> and so I would love to have a book around or maybe borrow my husband's Kindle some more. <laughs> How can we as a community be praying for you? Probably for direction just in these next couple months as the winter comes and we're trying to navigate keeping our bees alive through the winter and deciding on whether we should add more hives or gonna keep it more low key. Just kind of direction for, for where we should go next with all of it. Yeah, we can absolutely be doing that. Just I know that you said that the winter is kind of an interesting time with the hives, depending on the weather. And so we are not going to pull that out. <laughs> I wish you could see my setup right now. <laughs> so where can people find you and tune in to more of your beekeeping journey? 
So I mostly post on Instagram, which I feel like is pretty standard for most people. But um, my Instagram is the Beekeeper's Wife and Co. It's a very long name. But I love it, though. It's so cute. Thanks. <laughs> um, so you can find me there. My husband actually has a beekeeping account as well. He doesn't post on it quite as much as I post on mine. But his is Dobbs Bees, D-O-B-B-S Bees. And we also have a website as well, which is Um, You can find us there. Uh, if you are interested in finding our animal sanctuary, that's the Turtle and Tortoise Rescue AG. That's a fun thing as well. Sometimes bees get posted on there too. But yeah, so that's kind of where you can find us. Wonderful. I know so many people, again, myself included, are going to have so many questions about the bees and even just want to see them, see your setup. So we'll be happy to direct people there. And I am, I'm all in the DMs. So if you want to come into my DMs and ask me some questions, I would love that. Gabby, thank you so much for coming on the show. Most people hopefully will not be able to tell, but I was very distracted by having Flora and Juliet alone with me um, here at home while John was out and about. So you've been so patient and it's been so, so fun to chat with you and learn more about your beekeeping adventures. I cannot wait to keep up with what you guys are going to do next. Thanks. You're a rock star mama. You, you juggle it all so well. That is very kind. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I am so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you like today's show, I would love to encourage you to share it with a girlfriend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? Because, guys, I promise we're super fun. (laughs) We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners and keep up with the guests that you might have heard. We also do fun quarterly giveaways and just share inspiring content. If you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes of every episode. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us, you can please write a review on iTunes because this will help boost our show so other like-minded women can find it. Your support means so much to me, you guys. Thank you again for being here. So grateful for you. We'll see you next week for another episode.